people think, well, a square peg in the round hole, that means that the person is wrong. Well, the problem is when you shove a square peg into a round hole, not only does the peg get hurt, but the hole gets hurt. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We are here to talk about business, but we want to tackle those topics that most business leaders tend to shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. And as always, I'm looking to have conversations and hear stories from people in the real world, talking about real businesses and real approaches. And today, I'm joined by Michael Yinger. He's the co-founder and CEO of Resume Civ, an HR tech startup. And he's a high-performance, forward-thinking executive with 20-plus years of experience in building teams, managing global organizations, and providing strategic guidance to C-suites, boards of directors, and so on and so forth. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. Happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I always give that formal on-paper intro, and then I'm like, okay, but who are you really? So... <laughs> fill in the blanks for me <laughs> michael who who are you who's michael yinger yeah well that's that's a uh, they could be a long conversation uh just in general i've been in talent acquisition for a number of years and before that i was in technology consulting and before that i was in transportation i actually drove ships um mostly in the pacific but uh in some other places so i've I've had a pretty varied and uh, exciting career, I think, up till now. Uh, maybe three or four different facets to it, but uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been one of of opportunity, and and I've enjoyed myself as I've done what I've done. That's awesome. I know specifically, though, more recently, obviously, you're in the HR space, talking talent acquisition and yes. recruitment and things like that, and that is always a topic that perks my ears up. Uh, because especially in my line of work and what we talk about here every week, um, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a big, it's a big factor, a big, um, how we do, how we approach or anyone approaches that is critical to building a culture of love or a culture, whatever culture you're, you're deeming or trying to, um, have, and it's often overlooked or, you know, people are trying to fix what they have, but they don't always look at how to get in. Um, and retain the talent that they need. So, well, you know, I, yeah, it's it's a, as you say, it's a huge topic there, and there there's a lot of work that can be done, and some work that people are doing. But it's it is so critical in in particularly now where people have choices. Yeah, <laughs> sure, that seems to be the theme going around. Yes. Um, so, I'm curious before we dive into that that specific uh, piece, what is your where does your passion or I guess where does your drive come from when it comes to HR recruiting and, and things like that? You know, what what attracted me to the space is, frankly, it's the variety of things that you get to deal with. I had been doing consulting and one of the hallmarks of consulting typically is, is you get to do a variety of things, different kinds of projects, different clients. It ends, you get to start another one. And particularly the area that I've been in, recruitment process outsourcing predominantly, that's exactly what it's like. You've got different clients, they have different needs, you're searching for different kind of things, there, there are things that are working for them, there's not, so there's a lot of variety and that just that keeps me excited. I, there, there have been times where 
I'll go months and months and not do the same thing twice in uh, from one day to the next. And, yeah. you know, some people, they're not wild about that, but I, I like the variety. I like the challenge of having to think through a situation that maybe you haven't had to deal with before. And that's, that's been very exciting for me. What is, um, can you describe a little bit what resume sieve does or what this, sure. what, how that works? We're, we're, we have a, a product suite at the front end of the recruiting funnel. We have a tool that evaluates and ranks resumes. It's, it's intended to add productivity, compliance, uh, repeatability to the process of evaluating the candidates, particularly in situations where you're getting, you know, more than a couple, you, you know, if you're getting 10, 20, 50, you want to be able to look at them all in the same way. Resumes are all written differently. People put different things in when they apply to the job. We make it easy for the recruiter to do a fair uh, analysis of the candidates they've got before they move on to the next step of interviewing. Got it. That makes sense. That seems really helpful. I could have used that. Yeah, a couple of years. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We 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 think it's helpful, and and we're getting we're getting some response, and uh, so looking forward to to growing the company. I think more and more um, companies were they're looking for what I would call a culture add, not just a culture fit, but a culture add to their organization. Some people to help them become more than what they currently are and and not just fit into a mold. I think some organizations are starting to see that. Some are not, obviously some are still on the other end of that. But how do you how do you view that? What where are you on on that conversation of 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 finding those people and what kind of approaches there are for that? Well, I come from the perspective that I'm responsible for the culture as a member of the team, as a member of the organization. So how I act, how I interact are elements of that culture. And so uh, I think it's an interesting exercise, although a difficult challenge to hire people based on their cultural fit. Sure, there are assessments that you can do and things like that, but most often, you need to find somebody who can do the job. You need to be able to communicate what your culture is like so that people can make informed choices around where they are going uh, in the future. I just, I question whether people can really do a good job figuring out how I am going to impact their culture. That's I, I, I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen a lot of writing on that. I, I understand the concept. I, it, it, it seems to me in a way of abdicating the responsibility for creating the culture that you want, maintaining the culture that you want, making that available to people so they can make the choice to be a part of it. So what have you found to be the best way to even get close or assess that even up front? Yeah. Well, certainly there are, there are questions that you can weave into your interview uh, around activities that people have done. There are some assessments which look at things like, you know, disk analysis, for example, you can, you can look at the kind of person that you're getting. And, and there are people who do, who add that to their uh, recruiting process. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like anything else. Recruiting is, recruiting is dating. And mm -hmm. so, People are thinking about how do I answer that question? You know, the whole thing about a lot of those those assessments is do them as honestly as possible. Well, yeah, but I want this job. 
why, how do they want me to answer the question? How am I going to yeah. fit into the organization? So there's a little bit of you know tendency to skew it. I, I would say that it adds a, a, a significant level of complexity to the recruiting process because one, you, you have to find the right vehicle that is assessing what you want to look at. And then two, you have to include that in your evaluation process, which means that you're recruiting team has to know how to use those tools, uh, use the outcome of those tools. So it's, it's an interesting challenge, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that we uh, practice in our recruiting is that we have our recruiters basically become um, the candidate's best friend or basically their biggest advocate in the sense of if you're about to meet with, you know, the CEO or VP or whatever, you go ahead and tell them all the tips and secrets. Like the CEO likes this, doesn't like that. They tend to do this or have joke about this in all these little ways, like, like an inside kind of best friend on the inside. And the reason we do that is so that um, when the candidate comes and if they didn't use any of that <laughs> information, um, first of all, if they did, then great, because there's a, there's a way to see how we connect, see how they relate to those yeah. things. And and yep. um, and a lot, I think a lot of recruitment processes focus on putting people under like negative pressure um, or kind of seeing how you deal with the hardships and things like that. Um, sure. And a lot of times we're looking for people to be set up for success. And how do you how do you perform when you're given the tools? Because then you understand how coachable they are or how, um, you know, how how well they listen, essentially, and how well they want to kind of work with the team and and involve themselves. Uh, that's an approach we took. What what do you think of that? Are we doing that right? <laughs> I, I there there are two aspects of that that I really like. The first is inherently what you're doing is you're working to build rapport and connection with the candidate. And in today's market, I've I've worked with some uh, re recruiting companies where their entire focus is on the relationship between the recruiter and the candidates. Candidates have choices. And you you want to you want to be the company that they want to go to, and so that's the first step in that. The second step is I and you you basically said this. You give people pointers. One, it tells them a little bit about the culture, but two, you're giving them the chance to use or not use this data, and what they choose to do tells you about well, are they coachable? Mm -hmm. Are you know are they going to fit because they understand what those things mean? So I I. Working anything you can do to work with the candidate, and I, and I like the concept of on a positive basis. You know the the negative reinforcement. How many ping pong balls can you put in a seven forty seven? Right. You know all those crazy <laughs> kind of things. It, or 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 you know you're in a blender and you're only five inches tall and how do you get out? I've you know whatever. Had all of those. Yes. <laughs> all those things. <laughs> you know stress inducing. Well, it, that tells you a lot about the organization. So I I think your process is telling the candidate about the organization. And it goes back to what I'd said originally, the candidate gets to make the choice of whether they fit in the organization. You're gonna get some pointers too, and it's helping them understand what they're getting into. If they don't like you know, to be able to touch and feel and, and be part of the organization, well, then you may not be the company for them to work for. So that's, I think that's, it. I, it's more time consuming, I betcha. And, mm -hmm. It's can the candidate touch is usually what distinguishes a good candidate experience, a good recruiting process 
from one that isn't because so much today, recruiting today is so overwhelmed with all the resignations, all the replacements, all the number of people applying to jobs to get back to work that they're, they're not dealing with the candidates. I, I talked to one executive who applied to 300 jobs, got 10 negative responses and one interview after 300, uh, 300 applications. N not even to tell you, you know, forget it, you don't fit. Or, you know, we, we didn't really look at you, but we looked at somebody, I mean, any kind of thing. That tells me you care about your candidates and candidates are gonna understand that. Now, some may not choose to join, that's a different issue. And people wanna know that you care about them when they have choices, that can be a deciding factor. Absolutely. That's one of our <laughs> guiding principles, I think, in our organization was, yeah. is that people need to feel welcome. People need to feel like they belong and that they're, they're wanted there as a, as a high level. Uh, I want to ask you, I guess, almost a bit of a zoom out since you just mentioned it. What is your take on, you know, the current situation um, of the job market in general? Um, Obviously, you mentioned the Great Resignation, but where do you where do you see us now? As you know, as employment um, is rapidly kind of evolving, changing what people want, mm. and where do you see it going? Well, there, there are a couple of aspects of that. The first is just sort of the market activity. The with the with the change in in the way people think about the job with the great resignation with the mismatch but still significant mismatch between the number of jobs available and the number of people who are available to take those jobs there there's still it's still a a buyer's market right it's it's a candidate's market and then you add to that some of the cultural changes which appear to be sticking of people wanting certain things out of the organization. I'll give you, just give you one example, and this isn't intended to be political, but there was an announcement last week that they changed the back-to-work policy for Virginia state government workers. 300 people quit. Those that indicated why they quit, all of them quit because of the back-to-work policy. They wanted sure. to be able to continue to have their flexibility. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how those things sort out. But I, I think that those things are here to stay. And organizationally, we're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to be prepared for, can we work in a hybrid situation? E Elon Musk made an announcement that, that raised a lot of noise that everybody has to come back to the office. Well, it wasn't exactly what he said. What he said was, everybody who's in our factories has to go to work every day at the factory because that's the nature of factory work. Anybody who supports the factory should have to work the same way they do and be in the office. That's not everybody in the organization, but that's what people heard. Mm -hmm. How are you communicating? And are you asking your folks what works for them or what doesn't? I, I was talking to a CEO who um, took advantage of the real estate market during COVID and bought a new facility and refurbished it and then and announced to her team, okay, we're, we're back to work. And they said, no, we're not. I moved. I don't live in North Carolina anymore. I live in Virginia. Yeah. I like being at home because I can take care of my kids. I'm doing my job. I've been doing my job for two years. I'm not coming back to the office. And this woman was beside herself because she'd gone out and done the real estate thing. She didn't ask anybody. She didn't check with what was going on with her team. That's where you run into problems. A lot of this stuff is, is around communications and understanding what it is that motivates your team. It's not everybody, you know, some people like working in the office and some people will, will fit back into that it's being open to that conversation and listening to what people are telling you. And all too often we do, uh, you know, we management, uh, we do a lot of telling, we don't do a lot of listening. Ugh, I love the way you put that. Uh, 
something we, I mean, you're talking specifically about this, this, this environment we're all working in and, and dealing with, but what you said kind of resonated to me, like as a whole, whether you're talking about yeah. recruitment or anything at all, like leaders in general are now more than ever, but always should have been practicing listening whenever possible. And I think we've always preached that. So you, you're really <laughs> resonating with me in what you're saying. Um, when it comes to um, this level of empathy is how I kind of define what you're describing. Um, have you worked with, consulted, or, or coached people on how to do that better, like maybe more tactfully or specifically how to develop these listening skills or methods to do that? I have. I, I, I did some work myself on uh, personal empowerment and understanding what makes me tick. And so on, on, a, on an individual level, not on a consulting level, but on an individual level, people who've worked for me, it's being in the conversation around what is it that we are doing as an organization? What is it that you want to do as an individual? And how do you fit in there? Uh, you know, what, what scares people often about that conversation is that they're going to hear something that says, well, you know, we're a, uh, we're a recruiting company, um, but this person wants to be a chef. Great. How can I help them be a chef? Mm -hmm. Right. That's not a natural reaction. I would say most people, you know, oh, oh my God, I got to change their mind or I, I don't want to know what they want to do. I just want them to do their job. And so my, my personal approach is one of conversation. And, and I mean, I said it is it's listening. It's not, it's not telling um, my, one of my analogies that I use a lot is that, um, I, I've done well with the whole concept of a square peg in a round hole, meaning suiting so that someone fits, even if they're not a perfect fit, because, you know, people think, well, a square peg in the round hole, that means that the person is wrong. Well, the problem is when you shove a square peg into a round hole, not only does the peg get hurt, but the hole gets hurt. Mm -hmm. And so are you really thinking about how you're using your people? Are you open to putting someone where they bet where they fit of, of recreating something that works for them and it's it you know it's it it is a labor of love it's a labor of of often one at a time to make this happen and i you know i i think that you the end result is you you have people who are a happier b more productive and c begin to replicate that that kind of thinking with their team it you know it's contagious it, you know, particularly when you see the positive results that come from it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. When you um, look at your the world you work in, the things that you deal with, um, and you think of the word love, where mm -hmm. is the first place you go? Where where's your mind go right away? First thing I I think of is the the concept of uh, sort of mutual self-respect of, of appreciating what the other person has to offer or the organization has to offer. You know, if you, if you love your company, they're doing things which, which you really appreciate. If your coworker loves you, it's because you've, you've synced. These are the kind of things I think about that you've, you've synced in a way that, that makes your working environment more positive. And it, it, it really is, it's a mindset. Are, you know, are you open to the, the kind of uh, feelings that come with that? Because it's, you know, particularly in a work environment, it, you know, we, we, I, I would say that 
in some ways we're conditioned to stay away from love because, ooh, what does that mean? And am I now crossing some line or something else? It's it, it can it can be a balancing act, but it's uh, it really speaks to connecting on a an emotional level as opposed to just on a day to day work level. Yeah, and in your experience, I'm assuming you you've seen it all, right? I mean, organizations who 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 do that well and do it yeah. poorly. What what to you are the signs or the hallmarks of of both ends of that spectrum? Well, some of them are pretty obvious. The the organizations that that aren't in the the loving frame, um, you know, the the conversations are testier. Uh, they're more terse, perhaps. You don't see the the big events, the you know, the working, doing things outside of work, and the so you flip it the other way around. Organizations that that really have demonstrated that they love their people and their people love them. They they have great parties and they they have great successes. They work through challenges as opposed to succumbing to them. And yeah, I I certainly have seen examples of those uh, across the spectrum. Ironically, sometimes the lack of loving organization just through sort of dictatorial <laughs> activity can can survive and can be successful, but it's tough. You have higher turnover. Um, you know, you, you have that whole stress thing that goes on with people. Those are, those are pretty, you know, visible signs that you're not operating in, in this sort of mindset. Yes. What, um, sorry, I'm bouncing around quickly cause I just have so much different things to ask you. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, when it comes to, I guess your, so we've been talking about kind of recruitment and, you know, the the uh, candidates and the recruiters, but what about in like your own like organization in terms of, and not maybe your current one, but in the past, as you've worked with recruiters and with like within the walls of that, that HR space, like within the people who are responsible for mm -hmm. um, others' experiences and culture, uh, things like that. Um, what kind of learnings do you have in terms of, of this, what we've been talking about there, like love and, and I'm just curious, cause that space is so unique. That space is where the burden of all these things fall on you, whether you're talking about yeah. like DEI and all those things, or you're talking about just, yep. just, just satisfaction within the walls of the organization. It's a, it's a lot to think about and work with. Um, what does culture look like in that space to you? Well, one of the things that we did, what um, I, for many years, I was in charge of implementation. And so what that means is somebody would sell an outsourced recruiting opportunity, and I would be the one that was responsible for setting it up. And part of that was creating the training for the recruiters. Now, the recruiters need to know about your company if they're new hires. They, and they also need to know about the client company, and that includes culture. And so what we would do in those kinds of situations is we would ask representatives of the organization to come and speak about the culture. And we would document that so that the recruiters understood what it was that they were putting forward. And, uh, you know, I think it, it was a, a telling um, success in that there, there's an award every year. It's called the Candy Awards for the organizations that have the highest rated candidate experience. 
And we regularly had four or five companies who would win those awards. Now, the company won the award. We were the ones who were providing the service. So obviously there's a relationship there, that, but we didn't take credit for it other than we would go and we'd have a party with the, with the company that won the, won the award and go, go with them to accept their award because mm-hmm. it, you know, they, they have to be committed to delivering this kind of service. But it, it's, it's education, it's training, and it's getting the recruiters. Recruiters inherently are communicators, they, good recruiters. They understand that their job is to connect with the candidates and the hiring managers. And everything you can do to reinforce that relationship, to, to show them that this is about how you connect with the person is really going to have an impact on what they think about the organization and whether or not they choose to join. So it, there, there's a lot of training that goes into it. There's no question. For one thing, you, you've got to be able to articulate what is your culture? What is it that you want people to, to understand about you? And a lot of organizations uh, still, uh, you know, they, they, they don't, they, they might know what their brand is, but they, do they really understand what their culture is? They, you know, it's not the words that are on the wall. It's oh, how yeah. people act, how people treat each other on a day-to-day basis. That's my point at the beginning where I'm responsible for the culture that I'm living in that's that's an interesting lesson for people to learn uh, because it's not necessarily intuitive. You can spend months creating a bunch of code words that that talk about what your culture is. Do you live that? Is that is that really the way you are? You, you know, because you know some of those are really challenging. If you just think about the word in and of itself, you know, um, you know, accountability, honesty, transparency. Those are great words. Deliver on that. Where's, where's the, you know, at what point don't you tell people what's going on? And there goes transparency out the window. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm, it, there's a commitment to it. People have to be willing to work at it. Ah, oh, man. Amazing. I, I love the way you said that. Um, speaking right to me. I mean, the number of, number of times I've seen organizations with the intention of adjusting, fixing, improving culture, release a whole new like Bible of, of, values and mission statements and day one it does more damage than um than help because um people's bs meter just kind of goes just kind of go off right away and they're like our new value is trust and i don't trust a single person around me it's like (laughs) what what do you want me to do with this right Um, the, the, the the first time they see someone acting against those values why should I? Why should I play this game? Because my boss isn't, and his his or her boss isn't. That's just, yeah. It's there's a commitment to it. There really is a commitment around the organization. What do you What do you truly stand for, and how do you How do you live that? That's the key. It's not the words. It's yeah. it's the the actions. Exactly. One thing we always kind of live by, and also share with others, is that like these values need to be clearly not just communicated, but they need to be communicated clearly that they are aspirational for the most part. Like you have to have mm-hmm. a level of vulnerability as an organization to say, we're not there. And there's power in saying, here are values we want to be, here are some steps we want to take to get there, but we're not necessarily there. And it's like, people can hear that and be like, fair, like, at least I get it. Like, yep. I, I, I hear you we aren't perfect and that's okay. And people can rally behind that and even help and support rather than saying, here's our new values. Um, 
you guys are gonna love it look forward to amazing things and it's like but nothing has changed or nothing none of these things mean anything if you're not kind of supporting us through a change well it, it, there, obviously there's a journey there and people don't mind being on a journey as long as they know that it's a journey and it, it, what you said just resonates so much that we just say we just by fiat okay here are our new values well what's the demonstrated proof that we're already living by those values and you know often you know particularly if it's a fundamental change there won't be any proof because you haven't been living by those values which is why you put the values in in the first place <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it and some of this stuff it just it it seems so intuitive but every everybody wants a shortcut you know we got to have values the board of directors says we need new values and we got to move forward you know okay well it's yeah it it the journey is as impo important as the summit because there really is no summit with this stuff. No it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I've been a hiker in a past life, not so much now, but uh, in the past. I, and you know, it's it, there's always another summit. There's always something higher. Um, it's it's actually a, a tenet of uh, Buddhism that you you never you never reach the top. There's always something more because you're constantly learning and evolving. And culture and and values are the same way. And Organizations that recognize that and call that out have an opportunity for people to get on board and, and mm -hmm. all row in the same direction. And organizations that don't, well, then you see what happens. They're just words on the wall. Well, it feels like you've been speaking my language this entire episode. <laughs> the time has flown by, um, but it's just been like just straight 25 minutes of you like saying exactly what I feel in my heart. So it's been, it's been this refreshing refreshing moment of just hearing you articulate it so well and uh michael i really appreciate you taking the time today to come and and, and drop that wisdom um, affirm some things for me but definitely for the audience share some some something to think about and some insights for them to take back um, especially if they work in that space but i think for everybody well uh, jeff i enjoyed the conversation it's it's the it's the side of things you don't often get to talk about, you know, so much of it's, you know, tactical or, or other things, but this is, this is important because this is the stuff you said it right at the beginning. This is the stuff that, that keeps people, this is retention. And it, you know, if you're not thinking about this, then you're all, you're always going to be dealing with churn and that's expensive. Oh yeah. This, this, this yeah. pays for itself. You know, if you, if you stop and think about it for a moment, it just pays for itself. Absolutely. So with that, Michael, thank you for all of your time. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this and other episodes. We come out with new ones every Wednesday. Please do check out the book if you haven't. Love is a Business Strategy. You can find it on Amazon others, other places. Drop a review for that, this podcast, all those things. Tell a friend. With that, have a great week. Thank you again, Michael, and we will see you all next week.